FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next. Welcome. You are listening to the Financial Survival Network. I'm Kerry Lutz. And, you know, with what's happening in the world, the uprooting of the financial system and so much more, you got to be wondering uh, where do you put your money? What do you do and how do you protect yourself? And we've told you for a long time, precious metals, where it's at. And now, of course, the miners, exploration companies, really there's not a lot of choice in the world here. And do you, do you go buy government bonds and wind up getting a negative rate of return? Or do you look for something else? And of course, we're partial to uh, the sector. And uh, we've been uh, watching it for a couple of decades now. And in my own personal opinion, the opportunities have never been greater. And someone who definitely agrees with me, who I've worked with extensively in the past, is our good friend, Ivan Bebek. And Ivan, Orin Resources, you know, kind of think of, can't think of one without thinking of the other. But like any other company in the world now, you've really uh, had your challenges recently. But what I really like about you and Orin is uh, you always rise to the occasion and regardless what's happening in the world, you're moving ahead and you've been moving ahead the past couple of months, really without a second thought. Thanks, uh, Kerry. Always a pleasure to be back here and um, 100% agree. It's, it's been a, an unplanned, very um, you know, unique time, this black swan of the pandemic for all of us to deal with. And you know, as an executive of, of a company chasing the world's largest copper and gold mines, you've got to manage yourself. And, and for us, we had to manage communities down in Peru as well as our, our projects up in Canada. And what we found as an outcome of all this is we've become you know, aggressively more organized and a lot more efficient. And I like to think we've saved a couple million dollars worth of burn rate here in having a chance to take a step back and reorganize our thoughts technically on some of our huge exploration swings, as well as to bring a lot more targets into the picture as we go into one of the best commodity markets we think we'll see in our careers. And uh, at the forefront of those, you know, I think everyone has seen metal prices, primarily the precious metal prices starting to improve, such as gold, um, you no longer need to be an industry expert to know that you should be buying gold stocks. I, I think it's clear as day on all of them are, are doing, starting to do extremely well. And it's now filtering down to the people looking for the mines, which is our place. I think the outlook for copper and some of the other metals is extremely high as well, not just because of the, the QE in the US and the large stimulus packages, but you know we've been, we've been facing a production cliff in copper as well for some time. That's a, about a year and a half out from now. Maybe it's pushed a bit further, but the uses of copper and from your, your simple cell phone, the car you drive, your house, all of the, the, the 
everything that has an element of electronics uses copper. And I think the the one argument for copper performing really well, meaning it held $2 a pound, it's up nearly 20% in the last two months from, from its low to about $2.40 a pound. You know, I think that there's a much bigger demand curve that's generally being met with a production cliff that hasn't been fulfilled. And so the supply was interrupted in terms of the mines being shut down. And for people that aren't that aware of it, it's not a light switch. You can't turn a copper mine back on overnight. When you put these mines on care and maintenance, it can take weeks and months to get them back going. As, as we're seeing now, the economy is starting to open. But, you know, I think that looking at what we're doing and where we're at, our fundamentals have gotten dramatically better from where they were since we've started this company. And we've, you know, arguably built the perfect exploration portfolio with $100 million of, of money being spent, timed perfectly with the best bull market we'll see in history in commodities. And that's over the next few years here. So that's where we're at today, Kerry. And a lot of things are going on. I'm happy to address any any topics you want to talk about. All right. So when you say better organized and more efficient, I mean, I've known you for a while. I've watched you operate several companies. And I always thought that you were pretty well organized, focused and efficient. So how do you how do you improve on where you already were? So when we have, as you know, we have six projects in our portfolio. We have Committee Bay as a tier one gold swing. I'd argue one of the best gold exploration opportunities globally, uh, definitely top five. We have Curry Baya, something new we just started to learn about. And then we have the behemoth in Sombrero, this district that could host multiple tier one discoveries. As we're seeing, we got a chance to look past that punchline on each project to compile data that we haven't had a chance to compile yet. We got a chance to actually stop traveling on airplanes. And, you know, in Committee Bay's case, we got back to the drawing board. And you'll soon see, you know, how much progress we've made after $60 million of spending, we think we may have figured that one out in terms of targeting how to find those big mines. Finally, that's on the horizon here within the coming week or two. You'll see that announcement. In Peru, we got onto Sombrero. We found a target. It's a substantial target. It's drawing analogous to mines such as Las Bombas, the 10th largest copper mine in the world. Um, our mine is, or potential exploration project is pointing us towards copper and gold. Gold being the big difference between Las Bombas it is copper molly at Las Bombas. This would be copper and gold. But we didn't have a chance to do a lot of the peripheral targeting. And we, we've been waiting for certain communities to come on side to give us access. And so during COVID, what we did really intelligently, and this is part of the efficiency, is we got the benefit of being a great Samaritan, you know, humanitarian efforts within our communities. Um, they, they were cut off from food and supplies. Uh, we came in with not just the community, we're dealing with multiple ones in the areas we're going to be working in. And we came in with community relief packages for food and supplies. And we're following that up right now with health and medical supplies to their nearby hospitals so that if they get hit with the pandemic, they can actually manage, them, manage themselves and mitigate the um, the amount of, of mortality that, that could happen out of out of the COVID kind of presence, right? And so, you know, a big thing for us, we've looked at 
sombrero as another Las Bombas just in our northern concessions. And we're finding things in the south that you're going to hear about very shortly as we are anticipating to be back to work in June. But from day one, you know, we've done this twice before. We've always put communities first. Whether we find a mine or not, carry, it's really important that we leave a sustainably positive experience for these communities, something that can live long past when we're gone or somebody else is there. And if the mine's not there, the fact that they were kind enough to give us the chance to go see if it's there is something we appreciate and respect. Um, you know, we're all, you know, like-minded amongst our management team. And I think most humans are to help out where you can during COVID and for us to have come out here and, and be helpful. It was, it was, it was a good opportunity to show the communities of how serious we take the opportunity and how much respect we have for them allowing us to be present there. So that went well, which will obviously help with additional access, which we anticipate in getting in multiple new areas. It will also help with the social aspect of our permitting going forward, um, not because we needed to add more to already great relationship, it just because we got a chance to help and ask for nothing in return and uh, in, in terms of with the community. So it went really well. So when you're looking at our company as a shareholder and you asked me a great question, then the thing I've talked about, how did you become more efficient and organized or why weren't you that way before? Well, the speed of exploration in our group has been extremely fast. You know, spending, raising and spending $100 million in four years is a substantial amount of money. And if you follow our group well, all of our geologists are formerly Newmont global experts. The amount of data we've collected and compiled is, is outstanding and it's of extreme quality. And we were able to take that data and look at it more carefully and make sure we were in the best places. And we keep finding, especially in the Sombrero District, as well as at Curry Baya, and, and soon you'll see at Committee Bay, our three big tier one swings, we keep finding pretty substantial breakthroughs in the data, and we're finding really, really high quality targets. You know, there's things that we didn't expect to come that you're all gonna hear about shortly. So really exciting moved forward on many fronts and we plan to hit the ground running really fast. Um, you know, if that's a word we're allowed to use because we've been trying <laughs> to do this for four and a half years, yeah. but really fast as of June. And, uh, and the goal would be to be drill ready on multiple projects in Peru, as well as, um, you know, getting ready for a big drill campaign at Committee Bay next year. So that's, that's kind of the runway of where we're at. The time had us go back to the drawing board. It had us compile more data and get a chance to look at it from the desktop and establish incredible relationships with the communities that we're, we're working and impacting. Yeah. And as we all know, when you're dealing in these locations, um, like you say, community comes first because they're the people that are going to have to live with the project, with the ramifications of it. So getting all that out of the way first, so you're effectively have a partner rather than a concession the way it used to be in the good old days, and I use good in quotes, really can make all the difference. So, so you know, I just found it interesting, better organized and more efficient. And, you know, obviously this isn't your first rodeo. So it's interesting the way even that uh, people at the top of their game, you get a break whether you wanted it or not, and then you refocus and you recommit to what you're doing. And so COVID in Peru, obviously the... The country has been shut down, but fortunately hasn't been as hard hit as other places. What's going to happen there down the road? 
So right now, the actual lockdown is going to lift in May 24th. They've moved this for quite some time. As of May 11th, they let the major mining companies and construction companies get back to work under some new strict guidelines. And, you know, for exploration companies, which is where we fit and for permitting and whatnot, that's we've been advertised that June is the month for that to take place. And we're also told that you're going to be able to fly nationally in June in Peru, which is pretty great to hear that. So that's moving ahead nicely. Right. Um, you know, the country's been impacted quite seriously, as any smaller countries would with their GDP and with these two quarters or the three months of shutdown. So I think there's going to be a, a really good effort made in a very organized, controlled manner to get the, the GDP, get the economy going again, which again, you know, whether it's the small and Indian towns that we're, we're talking about or the bigger city and, and the actual larger aspect of the country, you're going to see a very pro-economy sentiment or pro-business sentiment come out of this. You know, and I, and I think that's something that anybody who's waiting for a permit, anybody who's looking to do get back to work, that's something that you want to hear and you want to see. And so that's the silver lining on a horrible event that, you know, I think we were all poorly prepared for. I think Peru did a really good job, though, because they locked down earlier than most and they locked down with a lot heavier hand than most places. So they've, they've done a good job where they could. And so, I mean, a lot of Peru it has a population in the jungle in the north or in the Andes, it's not as it's not as you know sophisticated of a, of a place as the U.S. or Canada. But they've done a good job, and so you know that that changed things for us. And you know, I think Peru has become a better place. Um, you know, the one thing that we got to do as well, which is very tough, is we got to see how good our targeting really is, and we've got to take apart some of the things we already knew about and build more confidence on them. Not that it was needed, but uh, no, we, we, we really, really are in a very fortuitous position with Sombrero, the Sombrero district, both north, and you'll soon hear about stuff that's going on in the south, as well as Curibaya that we've barely talked about that's just coming to fruition. But it means in June, we get to complete access agreements. We're going to do an IP survey over our cello target, which is in Southern Peru. It's incredibly high grade antimony and arsenic, as well as silver uh, on surface, which is indicating a big epithermal target. Um, that IP work can start almost immediately. It's with a private landowner, so we're not burdened by community agreements. And once we complete that, we believe we can work towards a permit that's a lot quicker than the one we're applying for Sombrero, and it should fall around the same time as the permit to drill Sombrero in the north. Um, there is a couple targets around our Sombrero main. There's a big G or mag target that we have not done our geophysics on and it's about six seven hundred meters west it's called wachana it's it's six or seven hundred meters west of sombrero maine it will be another big donut that we look to go and explore and and drill here and add to our existing drill program and then macha makai is an area that is the highest grade copper that we've seen in the entire you know, stream sediment anomaly in our 130,000 hectares, even higher than the areas where we have multi-percent copper in a lot of places. Um, this is a place that's drawn keen interest from us because the area is 
quite large in scale and the robust nature of the copper that came back in that study, which ultimately pointed us towards Sombrero, Maine, is, is showing us the best opportunity. So that will come into the picture for immediate surface exploration programs as followed by geophysics. All of that starting in June when we can get back to work. Um, NEOC is the neighboring target. It's got 5% copper, 9 gram gold on it. There's no shortage of copper and gold on this. It's beside the main area we're going to drill. Um, that community and us have been speaking for over two years, and we've been able to help them through COVID as well. And they got this, a chance to see a bit more of who we really are by character. And, um, you know, there's a lot of willingness for us to move forward with access there as well. These are just some of the things in the Sombrero uh, district that are coming to life, but they will all start happening in June. Um, Kribaya, there's a road that needs to be upgraded. It'll be about a week, couple of weeks of upgrading because of the rainy season. Once that's upgraded, we will resume sampling and trenching uh, across these incredible veins with multi-kilo silver as well as multi-gram gold, you know, the up to 18 kilo silver and up to 42 gram gold. There's a lot that we don't know about that. And we're going to follow it with MAG and geophysics, and then we'll be ready to submit our permit to targeting there. And if you might remember, that's that's an FTA we need there, which is, you know, four months to, to six months tops to get a right. drill permit there for that type of a thing. And we've received that permit before further down the coast. We did it in three and a half months at our WEA COIL project when we were permitting so it's an area that's easier to permit, that's more timely, which puts Curry Bio, it puts Cello, it puts Sombrero North, all three of those into the drill ready state as we enter the fall, which should couple well with, you know, on the back of the QE and all the events going on with world economies with better metal prices. Right. So that's just what's going on in, in Peru right now and about to take place. I think the news of new targets that have more than just an arm wave towards them that actually have data coming off of them. I think if the Sombrero story continues to get bigger with fact, not just opinion, I think that's going to be a massive driver for shareholders while we wait for one of the most anticipated drill programs in our careers and probably, you know, across the exploration space in the business. Yeah, well, it's definitely people are talking about it. There's definitely buzz. And well, I was going to ask you about shareholders of which I am one, but uh, more importantly, perhaps uh, Canada, uh, Committee Bay seemed to have better direction there. And then you had a, since we last spoke, you had a PEA on home stake. So, so what's the significance there? So Committee Bay is my favorite gold target on the planet, and it has been from day one. And that's why a lot of sweat, blood and tears went into financing that for about $60 million so far is what we've spent, right? I've promised our entire management company and the exploration team, if we ever ran out of money, which I don't think we will, to keep advancing that to discovery, I'd want to go write the check myself to do it because it's that big of an opportunity. Aside from my opinion of it and how much I like it, you know, what did we do at the end of last year? We came out with a, a realization and we realized that we were targeting our lithology, which is the layers of rock beneath the surface. You don't have exposed rock, so you have to go through five to 40 meters of till or dirt before you get to the rocks you're targeting. We found a way to actually apply, you know, through our electrom EM, electromagnetic 
currents that we put into the ground, we found a way to map the rocks underneath the surface. This pointed us towards a very simple concept when you go back and redo all of your targeting, not just where we drilled in the one area more recently, across the entire 300 kilometer gold belt. And so far, we've gone through two targets and we're seeing where we drilled and where we should have drilled. And it's so simple and it's coming and it's so logical that I think it's going to, for me and for everyone else, I think everyone's going to want to be a shareholder when we go drill that next stage. And it followed the sequence of how major gold discoveries are made. And if there's any explorations or geologists listening, you know, you collect your data. We collected a lot of data. We sampled the entire 300 kilometer belt you test you create theories you go test your theories with the drill hole and you modify those theories and what happens is an evolving process and you try to get towards something a concept that could really work and that's what we're landing on and this concept was one and i'll quote our vpx dave smithson he goes in previous years i had to kind of make the data work because it was it was a little harder than and you would think. And right now, when I put the new concept together, all the data works for me. It all falls into place. I don't have to put any squares into circles and stuff like that. So when you get to big discoveries, and we've been through a couple in our last two companies, you know, when you finally drill those holes that hit and you look back, it is the simplest concept that makes the biggest discovery. But sometimes it's a PhD worth of science <laughs> and data collection to get there. And that's where it's headed. So that's Committee Bay. And on the homestake side, a lot of people, we've talked about selling it uh, for, for years now, probably too long. And, you know, we were apprehensive to pull the trigger at a $1,300 gold price. We put out a PA recently that was the first chance that we could point towards some value towards the project. And I, I'm well aware that this is an early stage thumbsuck of an engineering report. I'm not measuring this as, as a miner would, but I am, we are saying that in a reasonable situation, this thing is a mine that makes money down at 1350 gold, but makes a lot of money at 1750 gold. And if you pay attention to some of the gold predictions from the biggest banking US firms out there, you know, you're looking at $2,000 plus gold is what's in our future. So it's an asset that has fundamentally become a lot more valuable. There is a lot of exploration to do at Homestake. There's obviously no shortage of exploration to do at Committee Bay. But to do that, plus to do Sombrero, plus to do Curry Baya all at the same time, is no shortage of overwhelming, and it is expensive, and it really pushes a big burn rate on the company. So we are looking at possibly at some point here, you know, figuring out a, a lot more efficient way that we could continue to explore and monetize Canada. Uh, we're looking at Peru as well. We've had a ton of corporate interest on every project that we're working on, but it's really tough when they're all in one company, you know, and there's a question that I get often and every company does and shareholders should ask this, is your current share price reflective of the value of your current assets? And I'll be honest with you, Kerry, because I get the calls from all the shareholders. I would say 95 or 90% of our share price is purely off of Sombrero, which is waiting for drill permits and has been pretty quiet for some time. I don't think we're getting any valuation for Curibaya. I don't think we're getting any value for Committee Bay and for Homestake. I think the reason why people own us is for the big swing in Sombrero, which is on hold. 
until we get back to work there shortly. So that, that's a predicament that we want to unlock. And um, you've heard me make allusions towards Spinco. And, you know, I've watched Lucas Landin do this. I've watched Ross Beatty do this. And, you know, it comes down to market confidence, market conditions, metal price outlook, and financeability. And in my opinion, all of these are independently highly financeable. So, you know, I, I think for us to be contemplating eventually spinning these into, into multiple entities that could all survive on their own, I think that would be something that we could offer our shareholders that nobody really else is at the moment in a market that's going to keep getting better. And if discoveries are made, you know, it's going to improve our risk of, of making discoveries and it's going to reduce the burn rate against each project dramatically. So it's a real serious thought of ours. We've talked about it for some time. I mean, COVID is pausing a lot of things, but I think once COVID, you know, allows us to actually have a board meeting or sit down in, in, in our office together and talk to each other, I think that's when we can probably push towards more serious thinking towards this. Yeah. And just to give an idea of the disruption of COVID, your annual meeting got uh, got deferred. Got, uh, got yeah, yeah. We had a choice there. We could spend twenty thousand dollars to do a virtual AGM, or we could take advantage of the COVID relief scenario and you know delay it a few months. And you know, I think the time there to push it back a little bit is giving us a lot of time to be a lot more effective at the AGM with, you know, business we may want to achieve during the AGM. It just gives us more time and latitude to be more organized. And I think, you know, for me, what happens in a, in a bull market, because I've been through them twice before, is things start moving really fast. And if you're not organized, when you hit a bull market, you make mistakes or you burn a lot of excess cash. And so the COVID break or this financial crisis, however, the outcome of what's just happened here in the last 90 days, it allowed us to become more organized. And I have to say, a lot of companies are doing the same thing. Um, we came into this financed. We were very fortunate to raise $15 million right before this event took place. And I think that's a massive head start for us and all the other companies out there because we were able to put our minds together and work on the future planning of, of what's going to happen in the next six months versus worry about capital and then going in that direction. So creating the, the financing, making sure that opportunity was in place has created a, a massive head start. And we'll go into this bull market with, you know, drills turning on everything and looking for these massive discoveries. And, you know, I think that the, the four and a half years, the hundred million spent, you have to look at that as it's been spent by really smart people getting ready for really big discoveries. And yeah, a lot of companies are going to double and triple. Some will go up four or five times the share price. And those are great returns that weren't present before in this market or were really tough to find. But that's not why we're doing this, Kerry. You know, and, and you know this well, we're looking for 20 to 40 times the current share price for shareholders. Sure. We most certainly have the projects and the timing of market to achieve that. You know, I, I think the risk of owning a stock like Orin, I think there's more risk in not owning a stock like Orin or a, a, an exploration opportunity that's well-funded, managed by you know a, a well-known group. I think there's more risk not owning a company like Orin than there is to owning a company like Orin based on the, the runway of opportunities of creating massive upside potential in the coming weeks and months. 
yeah, it kind of Oren kind of reminds me of a Picasso painting, if you will, and just follow the analogy. You kind of look at a Picasso and you know it's a masterpiece, but there's so much going on in that picture that you don't know what to look at and there's like no focal point. And I guess what you've been saying is we're going to have, especially if Spinco happens, we're going to have multifocal points for the market to appreciate in its own right. And really, what more could you want here? Absolutely. And, and, and that's basically it. And as a very, very greedy shareholder, <laughs> as I am, and a large one of the company, I mean, the, the way I think and the way everyone should think when, they, when they're doing this kind of a business of any public company is how can we create maximum value for shareholders? And yes, it's going to take time to deliver a big one. That is something that everybody has to understand. But how you deliver the big discovery when you get it, that is the Picasso aspect of it. And we could not be better prepared for a major discovery for our share price than we are right now. And so, you know what, I, I know it's been a very volatile quarter. There's been some really, really good opportunities in our share price. And I I think that we are incredibly cheap relative to where we're going to go before we even make the first discoveries. And yes, you're going to have to wait a few months for the drilling to start. We're doing that as fast as humanly possible, if, if that's allowed to be said, and, and with, with a very, very professional manner. But um, at the same time, you're going to hear how much better these things get as I said before, with facts coming out of us over the next few months before we turn the drills. And should we and go down the Spinco route, that would be, you know, the perfect storm of creating value for shareholders into this rising bull market. Last thing I'll say is that size matters in all markets, in the big markets, in the small markets. We have spoken to almost every major mining company in the world about our projects. And we've had continuous dialogue for the last 18 months about these projects. You know, they, they do meet thresholds of discoveries that are not being made anymore. There's been a few good discoveries, but not, not of the caliber of what we're looking for in the last few decades, right? And having enough shares or having some shares to the kind of opportunities we create is something that, you know, I'm happy to wait a bit longer for that. But I'm curious and I want to see how good the other facts, the other targets are, because at a glance right now, before we go and take those samples, they truly look spectacular. And, you know, it's it's it's, it's going to be at a really exciting six to 12 months here for us and for our shareholders. Hey, and uh, I'm excited, too, as a shareholder, like I said, hey, you want to go take a look at OrenResources.com. Make sure you sign up for all the notifications so you're going to hear about it uh, when Ivan releases it. It's A-U-R-Y-N resources.com. Ticker symbol on the TSX and the uh, New York Stock Exchange is A-U-G. And Ivan, uh, we're really excited. It's good to get back to work and get focused. Not that you ever stop working, but actually get the drills turning. And let's see what happens. Thank you so much. Looking very forward to it. FSN Radio. It's all about what's next. Go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com and sign up for your free weekly newsletter. You'll also get three free reports. The Financial Survival Network. It's all about what's next.